Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Good evening, everybody. It's good to have you here at Healing School tonight. We'd like to welcome those watching by the internet. And uh, we're glad that you're here. That is evidence that you're hungry for the Word of God. And you know, the Bible tells us that if a person will seek, it's that individual that finds. So God has something good for you. Just keep that, that expectancy in your heart that you'll hear things that will connect some dots for you, maybe answer some questions. And you know, many times, just little adjustments in our life can make the, the, the most and most dramatic long-term uh, solutions to our life. So look for even little things, all right? And God will meet you where you're at. Well, as I said, let's get our Bibles out tonight. I'm excited about the Word of God. Is there anyone else here in this house and out there that's excited about God's Word? Can I hear a woohoo? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, sometimes faith has an outward expression and it reveals what you're believing for. So, praise God. So, let's go in here together and we're going to trust Him uh, for utterance and for revelation. And uh, it's the two way street. You know, just like your computer will download, it'll also upload. It's, it's a two-way street. And so not only do I have to be anointed to speak, but you have to be anointed to receive. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's trust him right now. Father, we thank you that you gave us God to live inside of us, the Holy Spirit. We thank you he's our teacher and our guide. And your word said, Lord, that we have an unction. We actually have an anointing uh, to know all things. And so we know that's not us that knows all things. It's the Holy Spirit communicating to us all things. So we trust him now for revelation. He is the revelator. And so we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, in the knowledge of the word of God, in the knowledge of God's perfect will. And Father, I thank you that your spirit is also upon me. I say I have utterance. I say that I will speak by revelation tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, several weeks ago, I don't remember when exactly it was because some of these uh, Sunday nights have been interrupted, but we began with the four steps to receive healing from the Lord, and now we've gone back and we've been breaking each one of those steps down, and we're going into more detail. And so tonight, we're continuing on answering the question, is it God's will to heal us? Is it God's will to heal us? And unfortunately, many people look for God's will in the wrong places. They go to hear from someone that they respect, that, that, that knows God or has a relationship with God. It, it may be a, a pastor or it may be uh, who knows. But you know, they don't, they don't always know. And we, we certainly can't take what they say as the final word on that subject. And some people go by, you know, experience. Well, he, this didn't happen then, so this must be the will of God. Oh, it happened like this over here, so that must be the will of God. You can't go by experience. And you certainly can't go by your current feelings and what you're seeing in life. You see, what God has for us is spiritual. Whatever he gives to us, it begins by us believing what he says in our heart. It's a spiritual transaction. And so we have to go to a spiritual book to find out what God's will is. Amen? And so we determined last week that, number one, the first way to establish uh, what the will of God is, is to go to the published will of God. Right? And, and it's just like, in the natural, we many times will write out a will, what our will is when 
you know, we leave the earth. And it's not something that's just simply spoken, it's written down. Yeah. It becomes evidence of what your will is. Amen. And it becomes documented. And that's what God did. You see, you hear these people say, well, God's will is so mysterious. You just never know what he's going to do. Well, that's because you haven't been in his book, which is his last will and testament. And so the first place you look to determine the will of God is in the word of God. Understand that it says in 1 John 5, 7, that there are three that agree. There's three that come in harmony with one another. It says in this verse, the Father, which is our heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Word, which is both the published Word and the living Word, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And it says that, and these three are one. Many times in, in Scripture, the Bible will talk about being in one, like when in the marriage covenant. It says that he makes two one. Well, in the natural, that doesn't make any sense. How can two people be one? Well, it means they're coming into harmony with one another. They're coming in agreement with one another. And so understand that God is three persons. And when he says that we're three yet one, it just means that all three parts of the Godhead are in harmony with one another. They're in agreement with one another. And so understand that in order, the reason we say that the word of God is the published will of God is because God wrote the book. Amen? And this scripture tells us that the Father and the Word are one. Bingo. So this is the published will of God. I don't have to look any further to find God's will than right here in the B-I-B-L-E. Now, we got into something last week. I want you to go over to Exodus. And it's kind of interesting that... And this, this, this will happen to you, and it, it has happened to me. And it happened the last time we got together. We were over here in Exodus chapter uh, 23. I'm, I'm actually um, ahead of myself. Is that okay if we back up a little bit? Go to Exodus 23, 25. Sorry, Sharon, I hope I didn't throw you off too far. Before I get to what the Lord showed me last week, let's get this out of the way too. Uh, the Word of God clearly reveals that it's the will to heal the sick. Remember we just said that the, the Bible is the published will of God. Well, then it must say in there that that's, that's the will of God. So here in Exodus 23, 25, it's really plain that you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall do what? He's going to bless your bread and he's going to bless your water and notice he says, I will take, I will take. This word, I will, is now revealing the will of God. When you tell somebody what you will to do, that's your will. Amen. Come on. Someone calls you and says, come on over, I got dinner for you. I'll be right there. You just revealed your will. Now, unfortunately, man's will changes a lot especially when we tell our wife we're going to do something. It doesn't always get done. But you know what I'm saying? God, it's impossible for him to lie. And he never says anything haphazardly or in the moment or emotionally. If he says something, then he's now duly bound to back it up. Does that make sense? And so here when he says, I will, in this verse 25, he's telling us what his will is. And because the, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if it was his will back here in Exodus 23, you know, 35,000 years, or 3,500 3, years ago, it's still his will today. And it'll be his will tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, until we go on up to be with him. Amen? Amen. So he said, what, what, is, what did the Lord will to do? To take sickness now he didn't take it for himself he says he'll take it away from the midst of you Amen. Come on. now if God's taken something away from you 
or taking something away for you, A, he isn't the one that gave it to you to begin with. Why would he take something that he gave? Because if he's going to give me something, it's something he has for me. But no, he's taking this away, so it has to be something that's not good for me. And it's something that I couldn't take away myself, so he has to do it. Right? What's he taking away? It says that he's going to take away sickness from the midst of thee. Notice that he had to remove sickness, therefore he didn't give it. Amen. Amen? Now, people, when they see, when God's will begins to be revealed to us, then we think because something is his will, then it will automatically be a part of our life. And if you've been around here long enough, you know that that's just not the case. God's not running the show. And he's certainly not running the show in my life. He's not running the show in your life. You have the liberty or the power to choose. Yes. And so that's why we have healing schools, so we can learn how to receive what he's provided. It's not going to just fall on us like ripe cherries off of a tree. We have to do the receiving. He's the giver. But with a giver, you got to have a receiver, and that's you and I, and that's what we're learning here in healing school, how to be an effective receiver of his grace and what he's given to us. So you got that. The Word of God now tells us his will here at Exodus 23, 25, that it's his will to heal you. And please don't fall in the trap that, well, yeah, I can see God healing so-and-so, and and God healing this person, but you know, somehow I, I just don't see him doing it for me. Well, th- that's just not true. Come on. Amen. If he does it for one, he has, now has to do it for everyone. Does that make sense? Because he's not a respecter of persons. Yes. We may get to that later on. Now we can get to Numbers chapter 21, verse 5. Now here in this verse, we looked at this last week, and just in the middle of me teaching from this verse, the Lord revealed some things to me about these verses. And it really, it was awesome, and God does this for you, and he happened to do it for me that night, and I saw something that explained some things to me, and I just want to go back and go into a little bit more depth of of what he revealed to me. So I'm in Numbers 21, and I'm beginning in verse 5. Do you guys have your Bibles out there? You got your Bible open? You got your Bible app? It's so important for you to see the Word of God. And you don't have projection where you're at, where we have the verses come up before us. Uh, But if you can, get your Bible out. It'll help you. Numbers 21.5. And the people spoke against God. How many of you know that's not a good idea? And then they spoke against God's man, Moses. You understand that they weren't speaking against a man. They were speaking against the gift of God in and on the man. And that's that's where God takes offense. Mm -hmm. And wherefore have you brought us... Wherefore you've brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. So they're, they're, they're complaining. The, the Israelites had a history of murmuring and complaining. Why, you took me out of Egypt, and now here I'm in the wilderness. You know, that's my imitation Jewish uh, accent. Um, sounded like some guy that was having problems. Okay. Uh, he's saying, I, I can't believe you took me out of Egypt so I can die here in this condition. And why are are they complaining? Well, there's no bread. Neither is there any water. Now, we know that that's not true. Your body can't live without water, so they had to have a water supply. And, and, And we're tired of you raining manna down from heaven for us to eat. Now, look what happened. Because they transgressed against God, they forfeited God's protection. If I'm out in the rain uh, with an umbrella, I'm not getting wet. But if I move the umbrella, I'm going to get wet. And that's what they did. 
See, God was over them as their shield and their buckler. And then they transgressed against God, and he had to withdraw it because they had moved away from him. Right? And it says that fiery serpents came amongst the people. And what snakes will do from time to time, they bit the people. These must have been venomous snakes. And much people of Israel died. Now notice it says much. Much people. So there's a problem. Now in the midst of this, the people came to Moses and they recognized that they had sin. They confessed their sin. We have sinned and we have spoken against the Lord and against you, Moses. So Moses, you being our intercessor, the go-between between us and God, we want you to pray unto the Lord that he, God, would take away the serpents for us. Now what did they ask for? What did they want Moses to ask God to do? Look down at the scripture. They specifically asked that God would do what? He would take away the serpents. And you know, isn't that where a lot of people get? God, take this from me. God, take this from me. God, take that from me. Yet, that's not how God, that's not how you receive from the Lord. Now, now see how this develops. I want you to see this. And so Moses prayed for the people. And I'm assuming Moses asked that God would remove the serpents. Amen. So look what the Lord does. I'm in verse 8. Is the Lord said unto Moses, I want you to make a fiery serpent. Now understand that this serpent represents the devil. Remember, he came as a form of a serpent in the garden when he deceived both Adam and Eve. So this is a symbol of the devil. He says, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. Now this pole represents the cross. Are you seeing that? And it shall come to pass that everyone, how many? Everyone. Just the ones I like. Just the one that's go to church. Just the ones that give money. No, he says everyone. Everyone that is bitten. When he looketh upon it, looks upon that symbol of Jesus on the cross. Because Jesus became sin, so he became that serpent. Does that make sense? If they look upon it, they shall live. Now, Moses made a serpent of brass. Now, this, this metal substance of brass, many times in Scripture, represents judgment. So, what is happening is, is that when the serpent is being made out of brass, it means that Satan is being judged. And the works or the fruit of sin are being judged. And because Jesus took our place on the cross, he is being judged. Now understand, sin requires judgment. So Jesus was judged on the cross. He became sin who knew no sin. Put this brass serpent that you make on a pole and it shall come to pass if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So notice that God didn't take away the serpents. Why didn't God just show up and just say, you know, okay, leave? 
because the serpents had a right to be there. And God couldn't kick them out. Understand that our father Adam, through his sin, gave the devil and his works permission to access humanity. So the reason God couldn't remove the snakes is because the steward, or could we say the overseer of the earth, the one God gave dominion, Adam, had allowed them to come in. And God can't assert the authority of Adam since he gave him that authority. Is this making sense? If you rent a house from somebody and you have a legal lease on that property, the landlord can't just come barging into your place because you're the leaseholder. Technically, or should I say legally, you now, in a way, own the property. You're responsible for its upkeep or whatever the lease determines, and you have possession of that property as long as you follow and obey the lease. Well, Adam was given a lease on the earth. I said Adam was given a lease on the earth. And so whatever he dictated, whatever he allowed to happen, now happens, and God can't change that because he delegated that authority to Adam. And remember, he he can't go against what he has put into motion. So God couldn't remove the snakes, but what he did is he neutralized what the snakes did. You and I are in a very similar situation because we're in that same fallen world right now. The, The Bible tells us this whole world lieth in wickedness. There is a kingdom of darkness. And it is Satan's will to kill, steal, and destroy. One of those things that he uses is sickness that attacks our body and diminishes our life. And so understand that here very soon, and this is why Jesus hasn't come back. Adam's lease isn't up yet. See, we, we, we paint this image of God that he's capable of doing everything, and technically that's absolutely the truth. But you also have to understand that he is bound by what he has said and those covenants that he's entered into. And he can't break those covenants. He had a covenant with Adam when he gave him the stewardship of this earth, and God can't just show up here whenever he wants. And that's why... <laughs> you mind if we keep going further? That's another reason why Jesus had to come to the earth as a man. Because God just couldn't come here to the earth. The only legal entrance to the earth is to be born of a woman. And so God put his son in the womb of Mary. And then Jesus came legally to the earth as a man. And that's why the devil didn't recognize him for a while. Because he looked like just a a normal human being. But guess what? As soon as he was baptized with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon him, did you notice that right away that's when the temptation happened? He recognized who he was. So understand that this lease, Adam's lease is about to run out. And guess what's going to happen then? Here comes Jesus in all his glory. And he, as God, can't step down on this earth until that lease has expired. I want you to look at something in Revelation chapter 20. Is anybody having fun yet? (laughs) 
and it'll be verse 1. Let's get this out of the way. So when is God going to cast out the serpent, cast out the devil and his kingdom off the earth? Well, it tells us here in Revelation 21. I saw an angel. I'm sorry. It's, it's chapter 20, the first one. I'm so sorry. And I saw an angel. How many angels? One. <laughs> I want you to see that. One angel. Not a host. Not God himself. A representative from heaven. An angel came down and he had the key of the bottomless pit. Well, that's hell. And yes, there is a place called hell. The place that you can only avoid going by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he also, this angel also, not only had a key to this bottomless pit, but he had a great chain in his hand. You know, I would like to help him carry that chain, you know, down to the devil. Wouldn't that be awesome? And he laid hold on to the dragon. Well, who's this dragon? Well, he's that old serpent, which is what? The devil and he also called Satan. And then he took that chain and bound him for how long? A thousand years. That's one day in God time. And cast him into the bottomless pit and did what? Shut him up. One angel. And set a seal upon him. We would visualize that as putting duct tape over his mouth. <laughs> you know, that gray, silvery stuff. He shut him up. Put a seal on him. That he should deceive the nations no more. Amen. Uh, so understand that God couldn't answer that prayer directly for the Israelites. He couldn't cast those serpents out. They had a right to be there. But what he did is he made a way to heal or to preserve or to neutralize the poison in their body by having that brass serpent on a pole which represented Jesus Christ on the cross. Go on over to 1 Peter 2.24. Now this is very powerful. It's very powerful because, number one, Jesus, Jesus at this point in time in history had not hung on the cross and hadn't defeated the devil by his resurrection from hell. So they were solely being blessed by what God was going to do. And that's powerful, because it has to do with what God said he would do, and he'll even promise and bring to pass in your life what he promised he would do before he did it. That's because he honors his word. Now look here, 1 Peter 2.24. Now, as we read this, I want you to picture this brass serpent on a pole. We're about to read what they were to look at to receive healing from the Lord. Who his own self, talking about Jesus, he bared, or could we say he took away our sins. He removed our sins. That's what it means to bear. He did that in his own body. When he became sin for you and I, where did he do that? On the tree. Well, the tree is the cross, just like the pole is the cross. He did that 
so that we being dead to sins, being spiritually separated from God, we now will live unto a right standing with God, with his righteousness, and then at the same time, by whose stripes you were healed. Now notice here in 1 Peter it says you were healed. Why is it past tense? Because Peter is looking back at what Jesus had already done. So this has already been accomplished. And so he said we were healed. That's significant for you and I. Because when we approach God to receive healing, we also need to believe that it's already been accomplished before we ask. So you're not asking for something God has to decide on. You're asking to receive what he's already provided. Huge difference. All right? So you were healed. But for the Israelites, when they saw the serpent, it was that this is what God is going to do in the future, but because you believe, I'll give it to you now. Yeah. Kind of like a promissory note. So God was honoring his promise to those that needed it at a time where it hadn't yet been completely completed for them. But look at something very important. Notice what the Lord told them to do. It said that they had to behold the serpent of brass. So they had to look at that serpent. They had to consider what it represents. You see, they didn't have a Bible to read, so God gave them an image to believe. And that image, if they believed in that image, that God was going to put that serpent on the cross and that their sickness was going to be judged along with their sins, and as they believed that and accepted that, it said that they lived. So in essence, the Israelites, in this instance, were, were healed through faith. Because they had to believe in something and they had to believe it was theirs in order to be healed. Obviously, those that wouldn't behold it, that wouldn't gaze at it, that wouldn't keep their eyes on it, but would look away, then their faith was not in what God had provided, but their faith was in what they saw. And they would, they would perish. Also, I want us to understand that Jesus didn't come to earth to remove the devil remember the Israelites said take these serpents away from, from us but it wasn't time for that yet Re Revelation 20 verses 1 through 3 we haven't got to that point in time in, in time so Jesus didn't come down to remove the devil wouldn't, it, wouldn't that have been nice I said, wouldn't that have been nice? Wouldn't it be nice to have God remove the bully through Jesus? But that's not why Jesus came. So why did Jesus come if he wasn't down here to remove the devil? Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. First John 3, 8. It begins saying that he that committeth sin is of the devil or he's being enticed or following his temptations because it's the devil who has sinned from the beginning. Now it begins to tell us the reason that Jesus came to the earth. It says for this purpose, well that would be the reason, wouldn't it be? Yeah. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, or could we say, uh, he took on flesh and dwelt among us. That he might destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to destroy the devil, that is to remove him, to neutralize him, to disallow him access to humanity. No, what Jesus did is he destroyed his works. Well, first and foremost, 
a work of the devil is that fallen sin condition that we inherited through the fall of man. But then there are also effects or fruit of that fallen sin condition of which one is sickness and disease. The other is poverty. But when you read this in the English translated from the Greek and you see this word destroy, it gives us the appearance that he's gotten rid of the works of the devil. But it's a mistranslation. And if you go to other translations, you'll see it corrected. But the King James, which was written approximately 500 years ago, they took that Greek word for destroyed, that Greek word that they had translated destroyed, and it meant something a little bit different than it does today. Well, when you think of destroy now, you think of blowing something up. You think of demolishing it. You think of eliminating it. You think of removing it. But this Greek word means to be loosed from. No longer under the authority of. It's kind of like if, if you're in a jail cell, and every time I use this experience, I think of Barney Fife and, and Otis in uh, Mayberry, or whatever the name of that show was, and there was a town drunk, and he always uh, locked himself in jail, you know, when he was on a bender, and uh, so he was behind bars, but in order for him to get out, you had to take a key. What did Jesus say he had? I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You see, what, Je what Jesus took from the devil was the authority that Adam had given him. So Jesus has opened up the door of sickness, that jail of sickness that we were in as part of the works of the devil, and he has opened that door and he has loosed us from that bondage. We're free from sickness and disease as long as we have we learn how to receive it from the Lord. And you do that quite simply by and through faith. Everything that we're going to receive from the Lord is by faith. Salvation is by faith. Healing is by faith. Peace is by faith. Uh, being led by God's Spirit is by faith. Walking in love is by faith. You, you, you got to do it by faith, because if you do it by feelings, you'll never get her done. Amen? So this scripture could be more accurately translated into English, and the, the, the usage of the English language that we have today is that the reason the Son of Man was come, the Son of God was come, that he might loose us from the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. And so understand that Jesus didn't come to remove the devil. He came to free us from his works, from his deceptions, from his influence, from his control. And there's a lot of steps that you and I have to take as a human being to get to that place where we recognize him at work. See, many believers... Uh, get themselves in trouble because they don't recognize when the, the enemy is at work in their life. And so they follow, obviously not on purpose, but they mistakenly follow his promptings and leadings and influence because they don't realize he's taking them down the wrong path. And that's why the believer has to have their mind renewed with the word of God. Amen. All right. So I just wanted to share... The, the revelation I had gotten uh, from the Lord last week. And to be honest with you, I was just so thankful because it really helped me to see uh, more correctly, you know, why the Lord does certain things and why God just hasn't removed a lot of things out of our life. We, we, we have to take the authority he's given us, the liberty that he's given us, and stand by faith and resist those things. So, First and foremost, healing is for everyone, 
because the will of God is revealed through the Word of God and we can plainly see that it's His will to heal. Amen? Because He could have just told Moses, no. I don't, I don't will to heal them. But notice they had to get the healing God's way. See, many people want God to work their way. Like I wanted God to save me my way. I wanted to live my life the way I was living it. And then I just wanted to, I just wanted to believe that because I went to church for a while and have done enough nice things to people that I was on my way to heaven. No, you got to do it his way. You got to bow your knee to him. You've got to receive him not only as your savior, but as your Lord. And you have to profess it from your mouth. Amen. According to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Now, the second way, and it looks like we're just going to touch this a little bit tonight. I guess I don't want to keep you too late tonight. And we can only receive so much uh, at one sitting. But I, I want to just start this. How do I determine what the will of God is? How can I shine light on what his will is and not allow it to be a mystery or something that cannot be discovered? Well, we just found out the first way is to read the word of God, for it is his will. The second way is, is that Jesus, and if, you, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is the will of God in action. I'm talking about his approximate three and a half years during his earthly ministry. Everything that Jesus did during his earthly ministry was demonstrating and revealing what God's will is. If you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Now, why can we say that? Well, let's go on over to John chapter 6. This is Big John. This is the gospel according to John. This isn't one of the letters. It's in chapter 6. It's verse... 38, and here we find Jesus talking. You know, a lot of published hard copies of the Bible have the words of Jesus in, uh, written in red. And so whenever you find a scripture that's read in color, you, you know that that's Jesus speaking. And I heard a minister say this years ago. He says, you know, if you just start following and believing and acting on just the red words in the Bible, you're going to come a long ways in God. You're going to grow. You're really going to grow. And that's absolutely the truth. But understand that when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't create the will of God. Let me, let me say that again. I want you to see it from this perspective. When Jesus walked on this earth, his actions, what he said, wasn't an attempt to create God's will. Everything he said, everything he did was following God's will. Now see... We've got to take God out of the realm of humanity. You know, mankind, as they say, evolves and goes from level to level. Well, goody, goody. But God doesn't evolve. God, get this, this is a heavy revy right here. God is God. He's eternal. He doesn't change. One day he doesn't do this, and the other day he do another. He's 
and what his will was back then is still his will today and we're going to be with him for all eternity and we're going to go yeah I get that now he's he's he, he, he hasn't changed he hasn't changed and guess what he hasn't got any older either you know, a lot of people think God's this old guy up in heaven, you know, got wrinkles everywhere, he's got this big gray beard, you know, he's just, he's just wore out, you know, I'm, you know, uh. no, he's life, he's vibrant, he's, he's, he's this energy, this spiritual energy that's all-knowing, that's all-powerful is not limited to the physical realm or time. He's not aging. He's not getting older. He's still creating. What are we going to be doing for eternity? Well, we're going to be the stewards of that which he's continuing to create. It's going to be glorious. Amen. So understand that Jesus couldn't create the will of God. It was already established because of who he is. By virtue of who he is. He has no beginning. He has no end. Wow! And you and, you and I are hooked up with him through Jesus Christ. Can't be any more exciting. It can't be any more fun. Wow! Wow! So let's, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. So Jesus, while on the earth, and which is documented by the Gospels, and to the reference to him in the epistles, he was revealing the will of God. So it says here in John 6, 38, did I give you enough time, Sharon, to find that? Awesome. Now notice where Jesus came from. I said, did you notice where Jesus came from? He says, I came down from heaven. You see, Jesus is not a man. Jesus is a eternal entity of the Godhead. When we celebrate the birth of Christ, how many of you know that that was not the birth of Christ? <laughs> Come on. No, that was the birth of the house that the Christ, the Son of the living God, lived in. And so he came down from heaven. Now look at this. I came down for a reason. I came down for a purpose. I came down not to do my own will. This is why Jesus is so precious. And this is why we're to follow him. Even though he is God, he submitted his will to God the Father. His entire life was submitted to his heavenly father. Yes. How many of you know that he could have done his own will? Do you remember when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane and Judas had betrayed him and Judas came in the midst of the disciples in this garden in, in the night and the religious leaders were with him and the soldiers were there with him. Judas kissed his cheek and they began to apprehend Jesus. Well, I don't know which disciple it was. I'd have to, I'm not even sure it depicts which one it was. But one of the disciples said, well, why are you allowing this to happen? And Jesus made a statement that was 
fascinating. He says, don't you know that I could call on legions of angels to deliver me out of this situation? That would have been his will. But he said, no. I'm not down here to do my own will. I've come down here to be the Lamb of God. I've come down here to give my life for the sheep. I'm down here to suffer for those whom we love. Talking of the Godhead. I'm down here to shed my blood. And the only way that, that, that can happen is to go with them willingly. He says, I do not my own will, but whose will? But the will of him that sent me. So it's as easy to know the will of God as to follow what Jesus did and what Jesus said in the Gospels. Amen? Amen. Let's look at one more and uh, we'll go bye-bye. Understand that because Jesus was following the will of God, everything he did pleased the Father. Go on over to John 8, 28. John 8, 28. You see, this is another reason we're to follow Jesus' example. So that you and I can not only do God's will under his authority, but also to please the Father. He said... He that has sent me, that's God the Father, the Father has not left me alone. For I do every once in a while. I do sometimes when it benefits me. I do, you know, when it just feels right. No. He said, for I always do. I always do. I do always those things that please God the Father. Amen. What a testimony. I said, what a testimony. Remember the baptism of Jesus. The Bible says that when John baptized, baptized him in the Jordan and that when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came out of heaven and they likened it unto a dove or unto, unto a bird. And I'm thinking that it just kind of landed on him like a bird would. And that was God, the Holy Spirit, anointing him. Now understand that in this baptism, baptism is bowing your knee to God. Yes. You're giving your life to God. If you don't give your life to God, he can't give you his life. If I hold on to my life, I can't receive his life. So water baptism is a symbol of us laying down our life before God. We're essentially sacrificing ourselves to Him. We're giving ourselves to Him. And so Jesus, in following God's will to be baptized, when He came up out of the water, there was a sound from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
how did Jesus please the Father? I always do those things that please Him. Isn't it awesome to consider that we have the ability and the opportunity to please the creator of the universe? <laughs> that makes me happy. Because he's done so much for you and I. You and I haven't even had... A, a grain of the sand of all the beaches. We, we, we have maybe received that much through this one grain, how much God has done for us. Because so much that he has done and is doing and is going to do is hidden. Yet he's doing it. And so if I can please him, wow. Me! Bruce, I can please God by doing those things that please Him. Amen. Hallelujah. It's, it's awesome what He's afforded us. What He's, not just simply what He's done for us, but that we have a relationship with Him that is two-way. And knowing that these things that please him at the same time is blessing us as well. <clears throat> Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, oh, I just get so happy. I get so happy when I think about this relationship that you have given us through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus you have come to earth to protect us from the serpents. You've come not just simply to deliver us from a fallen sin condition. You didn't come just to cause us to become the children of God. You didn't just come to bestow righteousness and right standing upon us. But you've also come that no matter what we face in life, whatever test, whatever trial, including sickness, you've made available to us to be set free from it, to be delivered from it, to walk out of a cell of bondage and be free. Because that's exactly what sickness is. It's bondage. You said this, Jesus, when you delivered that woman who was bowed over for 18 years. You spoke over her and say, be thou free from this bondage. And she stood up straight. Hallelujah. She walked out of that cell, healed, whole, and now completely able to function in life like a normal human being. Wow. Lord, continue to, to give us a hunger. Not, not simply to walk and talk with you, as, and I know that's so important, but also to receive from you what you've already provided. Too many of us are going without but now, as your will is being revealed, faith begins. Faith begins where the will of the Lord is known. Thank you, Lord, as we have determined that it's your will to heal all. We now have that ability to receive that healing through and by faith. Help us to be good stewards of it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm glad I came to church. How about all y'all out there? You glad you came to church? <laughs> you guys are blessed. And you know the Lord loves you so much. Just, just walk in that love.
Amen. Amen. We'll see you later.